Hello and welcome back to the Master of None podcast. I'm your host, as always, Stephen Murphy. Uh, not a rugby episode tonight, a different passion of mine. We have a golf episode. We've had a few golfers on, uh, and none as good, maybe, you could argue, as this man that I have on now. We have Hugh Foley, uh, elite amateur Irish golfer. Uh, I'm very happy to have him on. So, Hugh, thank you for joining us. How are you? Cheers, Stephen. I'm good. Uh, I'm good. I'm uh, too scared to ask who you've had on before. <laughs> Uh, I've had Ronan Malarney. I don't know if you've Ronan Malarney. I on. know Ronan. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I won't be. I no comment on being better than any any of the lads <laughs> <I've> before. <laughs> we'll have to we'll have to organise a big game. A big yeah, match. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I wouldn't say. Well, look, Ronan's a great player too, but uh, I wouldn't say he'd fancy beating you too much either because uh, you've had quite the year. I think uh, a, a good year would be an understatement, you. Uh, yeah. A few stats here. I'm gonna I'm gonna list off for you, not to give you a big head, but I'm gonna list off a few stats <laughs> for you here. So. In your last seven events alone, you've won twice, came second twice, and not only were they just normal events, they happened to be probably your biggest tournaments of the year. You won the Bridgestone Order of Merit, you became the first player since Darren Clark in 1990 uh, to win the North and South of Ireland titles. Neither of us were born at that stage, I'm a few years older than you, but I still wasn't born at that stage. And then obviously most recently coming second in the Irish Close Championship and then second in the US Mid-Am. Overall, Hugh, I'd say pretty happy, right? Definitely, definitely happy, yeah. It was a hot finish to the year, so uh, pity you couldn't uh, have many more events to be playing right now. But um, yeah, I'm fairly fairly wrecked actually. Uh, I'm feeling it now. So you, you do a bit of time off now, do you, for the next couple of weeks, months? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, uh, we do a little trip to Donegal in um, October every year uh, with the academy I'm in, uh, and um, then I've yeah I have a couple of trips here and there so like looking at a winter schedule but yeah the next two three weeks are fairly handy we've our captain's prize for uh, under 28 in the golf club that'll be a bit of crack and um, hopefully a night with the the two trophies as well organising so a uh, bit of relaxing to be done. I'd say yeah, I'm sure you're delighted to have a bit of time off. You've you've been playing a lot lately. Um, we'll get into all the, the tournaments later on. The, the order of merit uh, winning that. It obviously screams good results, but also screams consistency. Is that something that you worked on the start of the year? Is that something that you've been actively trying to to improve, or has it just been one of those freak years? Uh, yeah, consistency is a big, big part of it. Yeah, always working on. I think the the best players aren't much better on their good day. They're just more consistent throughout a year. So, um, yeah, everything we do uh, that I work with, with, uh, you know, my coach, Jeff Lockery and, and, um, psychologist, uh, that I've started working with, uh, Sean McGonagall and then a nutritionist as well. That like that all kind of comes in for consistency is a big part of, of, of that for the, for the year and doing, you know, creating good habits. And, uh, that's paid off. I think I was, yeah, maybe second in the order mayor twice. And then, um, won it this year. Um, so just preparing really well for the Irish events. And I know the course is really well, so that helps um and turned out i think i played yeah five events and i was um you know in the top five or top six maybe for all of them so that it was uh yeah i wouldn't have uh i wouldn't have been doing that two three years ago so it's definitely the product of uh, a good few years of work so you say nutritionist so what no 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 takeaways no pizzas is that what we're saying actually well, i had a pizza i had a domino's pizza the night before the final round of the of the north so <laughs> But in general, like he, uh, yeah, he talks about just eating uh, real food, so um, all the boring stuff. And um, yeah, I stick to that quite well during tournament weeks, and then on the off weeks, I kind of enjoy eating whatever. But um, 
I've been good now on the course for energy and just eating fruit and nuts and all the all the boring stuff. Low, low sugar, keep the sugar levels kind of at a average rate. Yeah, I, I think I, I wouldn't be much of an interviewer if I didn't ask what toppings were on the pizza the night before the final round. Meat. I nice. Yeah, uh, just yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know what it's called. Is it the meat? I don't think it's the meteor. It's the other one. It's like the I don't know what it's called, but yeah. I'm just, I'd be a carnivore with uh, every meal, yeah. <laughs> like, I don't think I've ever had a vegetarian meal, so, uh, <laughs> yeah. That's, uh, someone said before, the only salad I have is on the burger that, yeah. that you're having as well. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that's a secret amateur golf right there, pizza before the, <laughs> for the night before the round. Uh, let's talk about the US Mid-Am, obviously, that's the, the big one recently you came second in. Can you explain to the, the, the people who aren't too clued up uh, in the amateur golf scene, what kind of tournament is that, who participates in that, and what's up for grabs at the end of it? Uh, yeah, so it's a tournament, uh, the US Mid-Amateur, it's run by the USGA, so they only run about 10 or 12 events, it's like, you know, they run the US Open for professionals and the US Amateur, so it's, it was phenomenal uh, run event, uh, it was just, it was like a playing a tour event, how you were looked after, but um, basically it's for over 25s or 25 and over, so I was, first time I was eligible was this year, uh, turned 25 in May, so signed up for it. Um, Basically, they have about 60 or 70 exemptions. It's a field of 268. Uh, so they fill the rest of the field with qualifiers. So I think 5,500 uh, people entered uh, to try and qualify. Um, that got um, narrowed down to 268. Um, that arrived in Erin Hills in Wisconsin, where the US Open was. Uh, Brooks Kepley won it there, 2017. Um, and Aaron, it's in the town Aaron, which is obviously Ireland. Um, so it had a lot of Irish features to it, uh, which was cool. And um, yeah, the winner of the the Mid-Am every year gets uh, an invitation to the Masters and gets a spot in the US Open. Um, so yeah, all the top guys over 25 in America were playing. Stuart Hagestad, who's uh, played the Masters and Open a few times. And some players who had played like Corn Ferry Tour and PGA Tour and turned back amateur. Uh, so it was... Um, it was a pretty pretty cool event and pretty cool field. You mentioned a field size of two sixty eight. That's a huge field, isn't it? Like, what's what's the average tournament or even a pro tournament? How many would be in that? Uh, like one forty four is usually a good number. It can go up to one fifty, one fifty five. But yeah, when they have two courses and and um, it's a match play event, so it's thirty six hole qualifying into uh, top sixty four qualify for the match play. When they have two courses, they can split, um, so they can double the field size. So that's why it went up to two sixty eight. That's uh, probably as big as, you know, the north of Ireland's even bigger. It used to be three hundred, um, but um, yeah, two sixty eight. It's a, it's a, it's a hard cut to make being in the sixty four at the top two sixty eight because everyone's a good player and everyone can play well. So you have to shoot good scores. Yeah, not only that, but getting to the final as well. That's that's insanely impressive. Um, interesting. Uh, wrinkle to the the week is that you were sharing the house with the man who actually ended up defeating you in the final Matthew McLean uh, all week so uh, a lot of the things I know these are good friends but the night before the first kind of so obviously the final is split into two two, 30, or two 18 hole match plays what's the like what's the atmosphere in the house but the night before is there much chat what, talk us through that experience yeah it was uh, it was weird uh, we organised it 
trip and just spent every minute of the trip together and you're like messing the whole time saying oh we'll, we'll meet in the final the dream final but yeah we're opposite sides of the draw um and we had a few close scares and losing matches and then all, all of a sudden we're playing each other which is like i don't know the odds on that have to be pretty low um and uh yeah we um we played because of the rain delay the final is usually on one day so uh it was already weird waking up and going to the course sharing a lift to play each other and we're the only two players on the range and it was dark and they had floodlights out um and having breakfast together so then um yeah the night before sorry i'm thinking yeah i'm actually getting that confused in my own head <laughs> the night before was the was the first round so uh that was grand we played each other i was a bit narky i played pretty bad and uh he was two up so I was almost thinking for the first 10 minutes after the match, like, oh, I can't share a lift with them. I need to go home my own way. <laughs> but uh, I got over that fairly quickly. And to be honest, it was, it was grand. We, had, uh, we didn't really talk about the match much. It uh, came up on the golf channel on the TV when we were having dinner. Um, so that was kind of funny. I have a video on my phone. I videoed it. And um, yeah, it was all pretty lighthearted, to be honest. Um, we were just wrecked, but uh, in pretty good spirits. And uh, then, yeah, as I was saying there, driving to the course the next morning was kind of strange and warming up just the two of us on the range was uh it was a weird one. But um you know, you could definitely tell there was a lot on the line and like two guys who really wanted to kind of reap the rewards of what you get for winning it. So it was um pretty serious match, um, which was which was good. We but we both kind of wanted that, so it, it went well that way. I'm sure it's awkward for him too. Like, what do you say to someone? You know what I mean. It has to be a strange yeah. situation for both. On on the course, is there much chat between you? Do you talk much on the course anyway? To to uh, you know, playing partners, or are you very much you know in your in your own little zone? In match play, I wouldn't. I try and you know not speak to the guy as much as possible. Um, I'd say I would very rarely initiate a conversation. To be honest. Um, Stroke play is a lot different if you're chatting, chatting away and trying to, you know, make things uh, easy for everyone and uh, enjoy your round and make it sociable enough. But match play is different, you know, you're just trying to beat the guy. So, um, yeah, you play a lot of matches now. I find I've had a lot of matches against friends this year, um, but you just have to kind of put your main goal first, which is uh, winning. And I feel like chatting to the guy is just going to kind of relax be you know you know relax the other guy and and you're not you're not out there to do that you're not allowed to be friends so um we we both definitely had that we had a bit of chatting in the first round um and then i'd say second round now we did not much chat between us but it was it was fine there was no animosity it was just purely two guys wanting to win a match no, no, no coughing in the backswing or anything. Yeah, <laughs> I was rattling my rattling the change and stuff. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. Didn't bother him. Yeah. Oh, when you know your when you know your opponent's game so well like that, does that change your tactics head now? Do you have a I'm sticking to my plan here, or, or does it matter if he's longer off the tee or better short game? Does any, does any of that come into your head when deciding your your kind of strategy? Uh, not the strategy, but it does come into your head when you're playing a guy. Yeah, that you know so. I, I actually I did find it tough because he was playing so well and I played with him in practice and he was playing really really good um he had beaten me twice or three times in practice I think um so I knew he was 
yeah, that was kind of off-putting because if you play a guy you've never played before, you know, you're always hoping there's a chance he's going to wing one or he's going to do this and you, uh, you don't give up. And um, not, I, you know, I didn't give up. I kept kept fighting and uh, hitting at him, but I kind of knew that he was playing so good and I know his game so well that I was going to have to make birdies. And that kind of puts you under a little bit more pressure um, and you start forcing it a little bit more and, um getting frustrated when i don't make birdies because i know like he wasn't going to throw many bogeys at me and um yeah to be honest he didn't so um yeah it was it was it was a little bit tougher playing a guy who whose game you know so well and how, how are you feeling obviously after losing you're obviously gutted but it's does it dawn on you very quickly of how still impressive it is to come second in that tournament and is it easier to deal with a loss like that after the impressive year you've had um yeah i'd say so it is you know yeah you, you, it was tough like i'd been lucky you know after the south i've been lucky that uh a lot of times when i had a chance to win i ended up winning um the irish close final kind of felt like it was gonna go the same until like the last five holes um so that was like a, my first taste of like really bitter disappointment or um getting beaten and um yeah doing it again in the in the mid um yeah i definitely take uh, pride in as you said like my last whatever i had four amateur events in a row where it was first first second second which is uh, a serious run um and not one that you would expect so yeah take take you get take a comfort out of that and, and pride out of that and um the the biggest thing I suppose I thought I would have to deal with was, you know, losing the final where the winner, only the winner gets, you know, all the spoils of um, everything you dream of, which is, you know, playing the Masters and playing the Open. Um, but I've actually felt that I've, I've kind of been okay with that because he, he was up from the third hole of the match and I was, you know, I never, I never uh, got up after that again. So, uh, that kind of makes it a little bit easier that he deserved it um, and he deserved it on the day and there's like there's nothing you can do except go forward so um, it's been 50-50 but yeah um, good confidence for next year yeah, it's fascinating you say that so so you're you're obviously saying you're obviously happy with how you performed to a certain degree you kind of are you kind of accepting the fact that you know what on the day I was beaten by a better man kind of job is it yeah uh, on the day definitely I I would say he peaked quite well. I know in the first round he struggled a little and then his golf just kind of like just went straight up. I would say I started very well. Um, I think I had seven birdies first round, four or five in the second. And then I think I played the first two or three matches in four or five under each match um, and didn't put much of a foot wrong. Uh, and then I started to struggle a little bit. Um, so I was... I was proud of the fact that I got through the quarterfinal and semifinal, which were kind of tough and I didn't have my best golf. And um, Yeah, it's match play is such a long event. You have to, if, if you can, I don't think you can, but if you can peak in the final or if you can choose to peak in the final, that's when you need to do it. And and he did that, I think. Um, I know he had a good semifinal match as well. So, um, yeah, you're battling and... Um, I have things to improve on that uh, even when I'm not playing great, I maybe could have made it tighter. Um, but uh, on the day, it does help when when the guy kind of he outplays you on the day. 
talk to me about the the pros and cons of playing the same course over and over again like that. Like you're playing. I know you said the first kind of the first stroke play rounds were split over two courses, but I assume it's Aaron Hills then for the match play, is it? Yeah, Aaron Hills for the match play. T- like you've, you're playing that from the round of sixty four. So what's that? That's f- four or five rounds of golf, and then the, the finals two rounds again. Hmm. Like, is there mental baggage that comes with that? Also, as you know, some some holes fit your eye, some don't. Talk to us about that. Uh, you know, we play as us, us normal amateurs play one round a week. You know, whereas you're playing the same course five times in a couple of days. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's a good point. Um, I haven't been asked that question, but uh, there, there is, there, you know, there is an advantage to getting to know the course. So, um, but it's the same advantage for the guy you're playing. Um, but you can start to feel more comfortable sometimes on the ones that you didn't like. But as you said, there is scar tissue from maybe holes that you've hit two or three bad drives on, and you stand up on it, and um, you do it again. Um, and there tend to be there tended to be like holes where that I birdied in every match. Um, so yeah, it's it just depends on, on your outlook. Um, you can get lazy as well, probably because you know the course. You start to know the course. You start you know, you forget your original game plan or your original discipline to play away from certain flags or you know certain greens and to leave yourself shorter, but on the fairway and. Uh, you can probably get a bit lazy just hitting driver like you would around your home course. If you're playing once a week, twice a week, you just start hitting drivers everywhere. You, you stop kind of thinking about what you need to do. So there's probably a discipline to match play then in those events that you stick to your game plan all the way to the final. And um, I probably di- I probably did do that. Uh, I did hit a lot of three woods and two irons and stuff trying to get on the fairway. But um, I would say, yeah, a bit of scar tissue on some holes where you're, where you've blocked a few or where you've yeah hit some bad shots that and you hit them again a good yeah a good examination of the the mental strength i'm sure which will i i do want to get into because um i'm fascinated by that side of things but um I, i've touched on how long you know it, it's a slog the mental and physical grind for that going from stroke play then to match play getting all the way to the end 36 holes to finish off how were you after that week you must have been just exhausted Pretty tired. Um, yeah, adrenaline always carries you through. I've had a lot of golf now. Probably today has been my... <laughs> I've been very tired today. Um, I would say it's the first time I've really felt it, uh, which is, you know, I came back from America on Monday or Tuesday and I had an event in the Golf National uh, on Monday and Tuesday. So I kind of didn't take much of a, a break. So I did a little bit of practice again. And, and I wanted that, you know, I think it's good to... Had I been sitting at home for the last week, I'd just be thinking back about it where you refresh and you play a Ryder Cup course and um, all those shots kind of go out of your mind then. Um, so um, that that was good, but I'm, I'm definitely seriously tired. Um, and yeah, those, those master events are probably too much golf, to be honest, but it's tradition. So um it is what it is i'm sure i uh, definitely i talked to a physio before and he was saying he'd be very interested in, in like examining or, or doing a study on it even though it's a very small group of people who uh, do that but uh, playing 36 a day for three four days in a row he didn't reckon was was that good for the body i i love golf that would be miserable playing 36 yeah. holes a day for three days in a row i would hate that <laughs> like i'd yeah. be obviously i'm hitting a lot more shots than you would be Hugh, but still like it's it would be a, a tough grind this was not on my original list of questions you just mentioned you played the golf national how was that because that course is insane 
Yeah, it's 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 seriously good. Um, I was there at the the Ryder Cup in Paris watching. Um, so it was cool to play if it was raining. Uh, so it was totally different to when they played it. But um, yeah, that fifteenth hole, that the last four holes are are can be so hard or can be rewarding. I ended up playing them quite well um by chance but like yeah that 15th hole is it looks quite big on tv and it but it's quite a tough shot you're aiming in the, if you if you fade it or draw it either or you're aiming in the water trying to bring it back onto the green um and then 18 is just quite a daunting tee shot and if you're not in the fairway hitting into that last green it's it's uh it's a class finishing hole and it's a class golf course and like the difference from aaron hills to the golf national two great golf courses but you can see why the Americans, you know, struggled around it in the Ryder Cup. It's like the fairways are definitely triple the size in Aaron Hills, I would say. Um, triple the width, which, you know, makes it just a bomber's course over there. Yeah, well, we saw that in, in 2018. Rory's singles match on the 18 when he blew it to the bunker and it was just game over. But I've 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 ne- never seen a course where, and again, I've never played it, but just looking at it where most holes give you an out. You know, you can miss right in the rough, you'll be in the rough, but, you know, you can still play golf. There just seems to be no bailouts on that course, especially that with that last few holes. It's like, you better hit the shot you want to hit or you're gone. Yeah, it, it rewards really good shots. Um yeah, and during the Ryder Cup, the rope was deeper than what we had it. And I think I heard it was like a garbage dump before. Uh, and all these hills for spectators are, it's amazing for spectators, but they're all lumpy. So like you, your ball stays in there and it's like sitting down in a hole. You could like break your wrist hitting out of it. It's pretty uh, nasty stuff. That is, that. that's quite a test, all right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um I want to talk about this. so again these these amateur tournaments here. Do you have a caddy? I don't have a, a specific caddy. I have a few lads who, a few mates of mine have caddies. Um, so at the south, I had uh, Marcus Nolan who lives uh, behind the fourth green. He's a good pal of mine. Uh, he caddied, and then uh, the north I had you know a couple of lads who missed the cut were were nice enough to hang around and caddy for me. Um, Patrick and Matt and. Um, you know, it's it's. I think it's such a big advantage. The match play event. I don't think you can win a match play event without a caddy, unless no one has caddies. Um, I'd be interested to see if anyone's done that. Maybe you know, obviously during COVID when you weren't allowed caddies, you know, lads were doing that. But that's because it's a level playing field. I would say it's so important to get a caddy. So I usually just try and get mates of mine who are free or lads. You know, I, I've caddied before when I missed the cut, and you know, you do that for your for your mates and. Uh, that really helps. So, I, yeah, I tried to have one. Maybe for the for the all the Irish events this year, I probably had one, uh, which is why you know uh, might have helped definitely. So I want to delve into that because obviously, as someone again who's just a normal amateur golfer, we see these amateur events where it tends to be like you said, friends and family. But then these pros have you know uh, professional experienced caddies. So. Talk to us about the differences there. So when you're when you're getting one of your mates on 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 your bag for for a tournament, what are you expecting from them? Do you just want their opinion every now and then? Are you looking for actual proper yardages? Can you talk us through the differences? Yeah, uh, I would say the professional caddies um, would be a lot more involved than than maybe mates of mine. Depends on their standard of golf. So if if I have a lad who's missed the cut, but he's you know he's obviously a good player, he's playing the event. He's a plus handicap. Then I'll discuss the shots a bit more than 
with just mates of mine who are doing it for the first time. So, uh, but then I have a mate, uh, Gav O'Brien's a good mate of mine. He's caddied for me five or six times and he's a higher handicap, but I discuss shots with him more now because he knows my game. And uh, so it just depends. If the, if the guy knows your game, then I'll talk uh, with him. Otherwise, I'll, I'll figure it out for myself. And then you just want the guy to kind of be there to chat to relax you, um, you know, keep the clubs dry. Um, if it's rain and I think that's that's a big point that's a big uh, help as well so um, and yeah I had a guy in the US Midam who was uh, who was great uh, he lived near the course and just wanted to caddy he was a financial advisor uh, and Matt had uh, an attorney um, we had two wealthy men caddying for us which was good crack and we were giving them our clubs to clean and uh, but they were unreal but um yeah, you just take whoever you can get. I like a guy who's kind of just stays relaxed, doesn't get too upbeat about anything, doesn't you know, doesn't think ahead, um, and doesn't distract me is the main thing. So was your caddy like hit a four iron here and also invest in stocks? Was he kind of giving you both at the same time? Yeah, <laughs> I was actually I was picking his brain. Not that I'll. I have any brain for for that sort of thing, um, but uh, I was picking his brain on on a few ideas and what to invest in. So uh, I'll think about it, but I don't have the money for that yet. That's that's great about golf that two wealthy guys like that are just probably as excited to caddy for two amateurs in in a tournament than than uh, their own job. But I think you hit on the big thing there: keeping you relaxed, keeping your mind at the right time off the golf, and then obviously focusing you back in. Uh, not everyone can do that, right? There's a certain knack, as you say, guys who have played to that level or guys who are just good at that. That's nearly the most important thing, I'd say, more than anything else. Yeah, yeah. Once you once your technique is sorted, you know they're always talking about the percentages of the mental game in golf. But obviously, for like a twenty handicap, you know, technique is still very important. But once you get to the stage where you're playing all these events, it becomes seriously, yeah, the biggest part, I would say. Um, and then. As you said, again, consistency isn't as easy. So not everyone can stay calm, but like even the guys who do and win one week, you know, the next week they might not be calm. The next week they'll be getting angry or losing their head and, and someone else wins who was calm that week. So um, ground zero is a big term that we use, just trying to get back to ground zero. Um, and there's a bit of discipline to that. And I think there's a bit of training to it, um, Sean. Uh, the psychologist talks about like that your brain is almost you know needs to be trained just like a muscle needs to be trained and um, I definitely feel like that's true Uh, I think playing competitions it kind of trains itself a little bit so but for the off season now I'll definitely do a a bit of you know uh, I like to read some of them psychology books and um, yeah just try and improve but it's definitely a consistency thing rather than one person is uh just born with it and one person isn't yeah that's a great segue because i want to talk about the mental side of the game because i know yeah i i read up on you that you read books during covid the lockdown are you a bob rutella fan or is there a different one you go to yeah bob rutella is great uh he keeps it nice and simple but it's all still really good stuff um i've kind of yeah have a different uh I have a different um, array of, of kind of psychology books that I read. Um, Steve Peters was a good one, The Chimp Paradox. And um, then I read a bit of Jordan Peterson, um, his uh, psychology stuff, um, 12 Rules for Life. And I think he has another one, 12 More Rules for Life. Um, 
that I think is brilliant. Um, I'm really interested in, in, in that psychology and, um, yeah, lockdown, I must have, yeah, read six or eight books or something like that. And I was doing notes on them and yeah, I haven't really done it since. So I probably need to do a little bit more this uh, winter because I think it, it did help. Yeah, you. I've I read a couple of Bob Rotella books as well. Actually, the last few months, and you're right, they're absolutely amazingly simple. But they're almost too simple. So yeah. like, you know, it all makes sense when you're reading it, and then you're like, okay, I have to implement this. But that's obviously way easier said than done. And you've mentioned already trying to practice that. Talk to us. How do you go about practicing that side of the game? I know you have said you work with a psychologist, but how much time are you pumping into that in terms of your weekly schedule? Because that's only really the last probably couple of years that, um, as you said, the, down to the amateur level, golfers are really getting into stuff like that. Yeah, um, yeah, I don't really know how many um, how many guys are doing it that I'd be playing with, but I know all the <clears throat> all the pros are, are are big into it, and you know every sports person now is is big into. Um, you know the mind is is so important in every sport so um how i practice it is kind of all the time uh i would say uh so jordan peterson there's there's not much sport involved in, in that book but it's 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 12 rules for life you know for for everyday life and i'd say i would practice it at any any time of the day it's all kind of probably weird stuff but i think it, i think it works sometimes the weird stuff works um you know that's like um, just how you're dealing with friends, talking to people, strangers, or walking into a shop, walking into a restaurant. Um, I think there's just certain ways of just doing it. Um, and just being aware of it, I think, is how I practice it on the course. Just be aware if I'm getting angry, if I'm getting grumpy or, or this and that. And, um, and just... Uh, I don't know. Is is it like a, a discipline thing of of just doing the opposite? Um, simple, simple as that, really. So that's why I like the the Bob Rotella books because because it is simple. Um, it's not too hard to do, uh, and you just maybe pick something that you're not good at, and even going out practicing with your mates or 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 playing a competition, I would be kind of have that in my head, like right today or this week. Yeah, I'm gonna. Yeah, I'm not gonna give out to myself or the self-talk will be i'll stop myself if i'm talking negatively and, and i said you know i can i can do that um it's not too hard and, and i tried to implement it during an event you obviously i'm sure like every other golfer go through you know dark patches doubt creeps into your mind the game isn't 100 percent. how difficult then is it to stick to that discipline of you know stick to the process and we'll come out of this other side yeah, you almost like yeah, you get to a point where you're looking at too many things. Then um, you're, uh, yeah, you're trying to fix everything, and then you get overwhelmed a little bit. Uh, I definitely got to a point that year. It was just like two weeks before the North, or maybe right up until the first round of the North, uh, of um, being overwhelmed by like that. A lot of different things maybe were going wrong, and then that was causing other problems and mental problems and uh you're trying to find the source and you're trying so hard that you just you get too bogged down so a certain freedom is needed as well like a certain like a reset button is needed where you get too um like i could say you could i could i could have even gone through that in lockdown uh with with 
um reading all those books you can almost start reading too many <laughs> where you're you know you're trying to you, there's no perfect and that's what Ritella I suppose talks about that's his main thing isn't it it's not you know, there is no perfect but um getting out of that slump is that just just trusting that you you can do it you can be better so it is there somewhere uh you just need to keep keep going and I play full-time golf so there's no real option for me but to keep going um and then yeah at the time it like it feels like you've been playing bad for months and months but when I look back now it was only really like three weeks which is not you know it's not too bad it was the middle of the season so it wasn't great timing but um turned out to kind of come back up and and uh the the charge back up was was pretty good towards the end of the year are you a guy who just pounds balls at a range during issues like that or are you like put the clubs down for a few days come back uh no i never put the clubs down no i probably uh yeah i keep playing and, and keep playing through it uh, i think it is important it's good to take a rest day now and then and and but i'd, I'd never no i'd always keep playing through it i think um i yeah, that that time I kept playing. You know, the European amateur. I missed. The, I think I came in in the hundreds. British amateur, like 150 or 160. European amateur, 100 and something. Played for Ireland in the team championships. Came 100th and something. So that was pretty bad. But you have to play through that um, to come out the other side because it's one thing practicing and hitting balls, and uh, but it's another thing playing on the course. So if you need to change something. Uh, playing in a tournament, I think, is the best place to, you know, test what you're actually doing. You know, you can't really find that much on a range. So I have heard guys saying, you know, when things are going badly, you need to stop and go and reset. And but um, I don't know. I think keep keep on playing because you never know when your good event is. You know, I could have pulled out of the North of Ireland just because I was playing so badly, but I ended up winning it. So that would be my mindset. It's it's too short. Uh, career or too short a life to be pulling out of things and um not playing things because you're not playing playing well and stuff like that so uh, i think to keep playing through it and, and you'll come back up let's talk about your own game personally what if you self-assess your game what's your strengths and weaknesses um yeah when i when i started working with uh jeff i was uh I'm like a long game player so um still needed a lot of work on the long game and I did a lot of work so I would say between you know 20 to 60 yards from the green or that kind of awkward pitching distance uh I I've worked on a good bit recently and I still need that's where I can get most of my improvement most of my gains I think and that's there's a lot of scoring clubs there there's a lot of scores to be uh found there so I'm, I'm pretty happy with that that there's potential there to 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 improve and that I haven't hit my uh you know hit your ceiling i think if you're like like cameron smith like he's probably the best in the world uh, at that distance and um when you're the best in the world from there there's not much there's not much room to improve there's not much there's nowhere else you can go he's like you know he's winning everything it's pretty he's gone to that live golf but he's because he, he'd be winning everything and um I think that's the that's the golden zone there. So um, yeah, a bit of bit of technical work there, and then with that maybe you know a bit more confidence with this. Um, but I've always been a good putter and a good long game player, so um, that's kind of you know that's worked well for me in the past too. And then when you're assessing your own game, maybe at a, at a as you said a, a low point, do you reach out to other do you reach out to any pros or other elite amateurs and ask for their opinion on your own game? 
Um, no, not I, I wouldn't, uh, wouldn't do that. I keep it quite tightly knit. Um, Jeff knows my game as as well as I know it, and I'd be pretty honest with analyze my own game. So I, I'd kind of know where I'm kind of where I'm weak at or what's not working or um sometimes you know your technique can be good but you're mentally over the ball you're just not confident enough so um i think you have to be honest with yourself uh first and um no i'd i'd i'd, I'd look for a lot of advice off better players and elite players but not in terms of uh of my game no i'd, I'd kind of be strongly opinionated on my own game and i'd kind of only listen to the, the kind of the guys around me, the coach and, and stuff uh, about the rest. So um, they keep it kind of tightly knit. Obviously, the biggest trend in golf the last couple of years is, you know, distance, speed and getting stronger. Uh, has that creeped into your own kind of game as well? Are you looking to add a couple of yards? Uh, no. Um, I, I think there's a great debate there for... Uh, I think there's a great debate there and a great divide there. And I would be on the more old school side of that debate, I think, in terms of, you know, there's a lot of... I think there's fitness work is great for your your health and your mind and and uh, that's what i'll be doing this winter staying fit and flexible and, and hopefully strong and there's probably a few yards i can gain from getting stronger and a little bit more flexible and, and i'll try and do that but um this dechambo stuff that was going on is uh i don't know but i think it's i think he was amazing how he was able to keep the ball straight but there's guys just ruining themselves uh looking for 10 20 yards and that's that's fine if that's the way they want to go. Like golf is changing. It's it's more, you know, everyone hits the ball longer, but you know the the um, you know the clubs and the um, you know, I wouldn't say fitness and and all that you know work has changed the game. I think the the golf ball and the and the club has changed the game, and that's why everyone hits it so long. And there's an advantage to hitting it longer, but chasing you know doing all that work to, for maybe 10, 15 yards and it could put you, could go anywhere. Like what happened to Luke Donald and Matteo Manacero and brilliant players. I think it's, it's a very dangerous game to be playing. So I, w- I would be long. I wouldn't be the longest, but um, yeah, I'll take, I'll take an extra couple of yards just like anyone, but I won't be um, putting too, over too much work into it. I'll be working on the, that 20 to 60 zone a lot more than, um, doing the speed training that uh, some guys are doing but that there's a debate there and that's fine um there's probably no real study to show who's right and who's wrong but uh just whatever your preference is i guess bryson's gonna be after you here now he's not gonna be yeah well there's a few guys closer to home will be after me if they hear it i'd say but um yeah yeah no it's true it's it's uh yeah look as even at my level and all that i definitely see people trying to hit it harder and I think at at my level, the extra couple of yards would you'd see a bigger difference in our scoring than the guys at your level. Like it's such small margins that you know if yeah if some guy's five yards up ahead of you in the fairway, I don't think it's going to make a much difference to your scores. But for me at my level, definitely an extra tw- ten yards would be huge. But at yeah. the same time, yeah, trying to keep it on the planet is a different. <laughs> a different yeah, there's there's potential there for for everyone and, and the higher handicappers. I would say technique is a huge thing. I've been amazed at how technique can give you so many more yards and and. I think you need a really good technique to be working with speed and you probably need a really good mind as well. Like the just, I think he's, he's, he was amazing what he did, but he even saw Rory, um, 
he's kind of eased back on it now. He went a bit mad, and his scores were went all over the place. And now this year, also, also Rory never lacked distance. Like exactly, it's as if he yeah. was two seventy off the tee, like he was three hundred. But uh, no, it can get annoying. Um, you know, people telling you like I, I wouldn't be one to be telling someone what to do when people tell you, oh, you know, you you need to be doing this, you need to be in the gym five days a week. That's fine. Um, but I lost the US mid amateur around the greens. Um, you know, hope Matt doesn't mind me saying I was 10, maybe 10, 15 yards ahead of him for the 36 holes. Um, so what difference did that make? He beat me uh, three and one because he was better around the greens. So, um, yeah, I'd listen to, you know, I'd, I'd more so, I'd listen to guys who were experienced. And um, I have listened to a lot of guys who, you know, play. I won't, I won't kind of listen to, to, <laughs> guys advocating for the speed and distance who have never um you know played a final or won a championship or, or played on tour so uh there's still a debate on tour as well you know that uh, there's guys like the shambo doing it but uh it's interesting it's cool and whatever is good for the game and gets a bit of uh you know the shambo's doing good work for the game it's getting popularity in from different angles so it's, it's cool to hit the ball far so that's that's good as well yeah, it's 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 sexy. Golf isn't very sexy, yeah. but when you hit a ball goes through, like you know what I mean. It's like yeah, yeah. Uh, and golf, golf is the only sport where I feel like uh, people who are worse at the game than the person they're talking to will give advice to that person. Oh, so it's like a twenty handicap might go to you, uh, might give you advice as if like as if that matters. <laughs> it's unreal, and um, yeah, sometimes you can get some good advice. Uh, but more so mentally or just more life advice but yeah no it's 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 funny the mental advice you get from or when you hear you're in the bar and you're looking at McElroy and lads are saying oh, he doesn't have the bottle for it you know he just does <laughs> you know he's won 35 million this year but I'm sure he's doing okay yeah you're so. talking to the biggest Rory fan alive here and the the amount of defending I've had to do for someone who's won four majors has already a hall of fame career at the age of yeah. 35 what is it 32 33 yeah. Um, and yeah, lads who would couldn't hit the ball out of their way are telling yeah. him that he doesn't have the bottle. But look, that's that, that's a different podcast for a different time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, you're a member of Royal County Dublin, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Royal Dublin, yeah, Royal Dublin and Rogenstown. Yeah. Uh, describe that course because it always pops up on one of the best courses in Ireland. Kind of lists uh, to the players who are unlucky like myself to not have played it. All right. Yeah. Are you looking for an invite? No, no, not at all, not at all. Well, if you're, if there's one going, ah, yeah. I'm about like we'll get you down for a game. Yeah, um, it's uh, just like an old old style kind of links out nine out nine back. Uh, it's quite flat because it's built. It's on a it's on a sand spit. Um, so there's not many dunes like most links courses. But uh, yeah, this time of year actually, it's probably at its best condition. The greens are are beautiful, and um, it's it's a lovely golf course. Lots of history. Um, I think it's the second oldest. Uh, second oldest links or second oldest golf course in the country so I think that helps and Christy O'Connor's um, history and link to it as well is is pretty cool so it's a, it's a cool clubhouse and it's a cool place to visit yeah yeah we definitely don't play enough links golf in well especially um, myself personally we just don't get enough of exposure to it I don't think because everyone says how great it is but we just don't tend to play them um you give us some of your favorite courses that you've played you can you can give us a few in ireland and you can give us a few in, in ireland you can drop a few uh, big names there if you want yeah <laughs> name dropping uh well r- well regardless i would say um port rush is is it was my favorite track it was my favorite track before the north and um 
Waterville would be a close second. Um, then, yeah, I th- like Lynx Course in Ireland. I've never really bowled over. No, I haven't played. Um, I haven't played Carnoustie, Kings, Barnes, or or Truon, but um, I've never been bowled over by Lynx Courses in England. Uh, anyway, uh, compared to the Irish ones, I think the Irish ones stand stand out a mile. Um, uh, across these, I've, n- I've never done um, Asia or Australia, but I've been lucky to play Pebble. Uh, I did a West Coast, a few West Coast places. That was pretty, uh, pretty nice. Um, played Pebble and um, played Olympic Club in San Fran. Um, and then LA Country Club as well. I played that. That was pretty cool. Um, so that's where next year isn't it the la country club is us open or us us open yeah that's right uh yeah the walker cup was there before paul mcbride um played it um don't know if paul listened to this but he's uh recently been favored on my uh dp world tour app so he's now a, a good friend yeah <laughs> yeah paul, paul if you're listening uh I'm like, like the page subscribe subscribe yeah. to the podcast uh, <laughs> What's it, what's it like playing those courses? Because you obviously are going in with quite high expectations. Do they do they always live up to the hype, or are you ever kind of underwhelmed sometimes by a course? Uh truthfully, uh, <laughs> like Pebble was amazing. Uh, the last hole was was amazing. We had a on such a nice day, and the first six holes or or first eight or nine holes are are great. Um, I thought there's a stretch there that are a bit underwhelming. Like I think it was sixteen. 11 to 16 that like it, if you didn't watch on tv you'd probably forget pretty easily so i wouldn't have put it ahead of um links courses in in ireland to be honest but the 18th is spectacular and then you see it on tv it makes it pretty cool but um uh no underwhelmed a bit with yeah royal st george's and um a couple of places in in scotland that are um you know you hear a lot of americans go and play them and uh, didn't think there was much to it to be honest to be better off coming over here playing a few courses over here exactly yeah uh, for someone who's experienced all these great courses can you give us one characteristic of a course that separates it from a good course to a great course Oof. Um, I would say variety in shots so like Port Marnock um, would probably be, be up there in, in terms of you know the out and back is is old school and it's cool uh like st andrews and and road Dublin's like that but i think port marnock the way it kind of it gives you every every different angle and, and every different wind and um another thing would be undulation i think so yeah dunes um that new hole in port rush the seventh the par five like when you're looking at it from the back tee it just looks like it's been built into the dunes and it's been sitting there for 500 years just waiting to be played so uh, I think dunes and um, a good view, uh, good undulations and, and different height variations are give a course just a bit of an extra. So that's why Port Rush to me probably tips Port Marnock because of the extra dunes and elevation and views that it has. I chatted to Ron Malarney, I said a few times on the podcast, and one of the things that came out about it was he turned pro the second time I talked to him. He wasn't sure if if he would describe his golf at the moment was fun. Uh, he said when he was younger, he, he obviously enjoyed the game and it was really fun and that's why he got better, that's why he wanted to practice. But then when it came his job, it kind of went away from being fun. Is golf still fun for you, Hugh? Yeah, I was talking about that yesterday. Uh, it, it is. Uh, with 
yeah, it was it was Park Iron's brother actually. I bumped into uh, Tyge. Name funny. drop, name drop. Yeah, uh, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. We were talking about that, and, and it is it is fun. Yeah, I think amateur golf is good fun. Um, playing the odd team event is cool, and then traveling. And it's yeah, maybe yeah, it's not your job. Maybe that's the secret to to keep it fun and and you know it's easy to say not to be worried about paying the bills and and uh you know every put you make is worth x amount uh if i can keep that um you know i i enjoy playing championships and enjoy being in the mix uh you definitely enjoy the rewards after when you win um so if i can keep that it's just like i guess it's amateur sport isn't it like gaelic and, and football um or football and hurling it's um it's just kind of a pure you know, it's a pure form of the of the sport that's played for the purity of the game and not uh, for money. So I guess there might be a change um, when I turn professional. That, um, but hopefully not, because I I do really enjoy it and traveling and and uh, new experiences and making making memories. So it's it is fun at the moment. You still have pressures as an amateur though, because you still have to get funding. I'm su- I suppose and like that. You you know you're still kind of relying on that to keep that going that that has to be pressure in itself as well yeah i guess so uh there is pressure to uh, even make teams as well that you want to make that can make your life easier and yeah sure yeah the u.s mid-amateur you win that um you know it's it's maybe not life-changing but certainly for the next couple of years for matt he's gonna have uh he'd be making some memories and you know when you're playing the final the possibility of that is there's a lot of pressure there um, that the winner can can change his future for the next year or two. Um, so there is pressure there, I suppose. But um, I guess I don't really think about that too much. I kind of just try and win a golf tournament. Um, that's the the main goal when when you enter and play. Any chance you'll get to caddy for him at Augusta? Uh, no, I don't think so. We had a bet before. We had a deal before that if one got knocked out, the other would caddy, and then if that guy won, they would we would go to the Masters. But it, that didn't uh, that turned out kind of funny that we uh, played each other. So uh, now I've no idea who he'll bring to the to the Masters. It might be tough caddying when uh, you were so close to playing. So uh, I don't know if he, if he comes to me, I'll I'll definitely think about it. How could you turn down uh, getting inside the ropes at the Masters? Yeah, that would be. That would, have you been as a spectator? No, no. Okay, yeah, that's that's definitely bucket list stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, last few questions to you. So you're obviously an elite amateur. Is there much of a gap now to go to the professional game? Like, is there much of a skill gap? Is there much of a gap in terms of work that you're putting in? Uh, you, you know, you, you clearly put in a lot of effort and you said you hit balls every day. Are you, is there, in your mind, is there much of a gap now when you do take that next step? uh there is and there isn't it's one of them you're so close but you're so far um i played a few challenge store events and um it is a step up in level but at the same time it's just like uh, elite amateurs like the challenge store is uh, like i feel like they're elite amateurs from every country in the world just you know now playing you know they're just turned professional you know the top 10 in the k club there for the irish challenge was they were almost all of them were top amateurs in the world three years ago, four years ago. So um, when you get to this point where you're playing all those events, yeah, the transition to the challenge where it's different, the life is a little bit different, but the standard is like an extremely good amateur event, I feel. Um, 
now the step up above that it, it, there is a there is a gap yeah like you know the the european tour and then and then beyond there definitely is there's more skill there's more professionalism there's um just the best in the best from every country uh you're up against so there's a, a thousand other guys just like you out there and um you know i don't know is it luck or is it a difference just something that these players have just a little bit more of everything um but that's fun trying to trying to reach that standard is is fun and that's where the maybe the addiction of golf comes in that there's always like a little bit more to improve yeah 100 percent. last question then what is the plans for the next few years Hugh? you kind of mentioned that you you are going to go professional what's is there anything in the in the pipeline for that um yeah and i'll turn professional next year so i'll go to q school next um this is september october time and um i give that a go so i've uh yeah 12 months of amateur golf left uh hopefully a few invites to professional tours um and then a lot more golf in america after the mid-am has opened up a lot of doors over there so although i didn't get the masters in the open i'll get some of the big uh, amateur events which is cool and uh, just try and get as much experience as possible before uh turn a professional and then try and get to a you know start again um your, your amateur career doesn't matter once you turn professional but um the experience does and the experience lasts so getting comfortable with that and uh yeah so next uh and the next year i'll be um joining the paid ranks hopefully nice and you so you've one more shitty winter left in ireland and then you can go off and enjoy your, yeah. your suntans and stuff yeah, well, I'll hopefully get away this winter a bit for a bit of golf here and there. Um, so I'm kind of planning that at the moment. Um, so hopefully there's a bit of sun uh, amongst the, the shitty weather here. Yeah, I know. Well, I'm in Galway, so we have plenty of shitty weather down here. Yeah, <laughs> if you yeah. ever want to, if you ever want. So, uh, Hugh, thank you very much for coming on. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. Uh, I said I'll be keeping track on your career and wishing you the best of luck in your next a uh, couple of years and we'll have you back on I'm sure at some stage when you turn pro and we can chat about how your life's changed but until then man appreciate you coming on cheers Stephen thanks very much 